Welcome to this week's bonus episode of Blood Podcast, your source for innovative ideas and cutting-edge information. In this episode, Blood Associate Editor Dr. Jose Lopez, along with his colleagues Dr. Elizabeth Batnelli, Dr. Craig Williams, and Dr. Owen McCarty, discuss the role of platelets in cancer treatment. I'm Jose Lopez. I'm at Bloodworks Northwest and the University of Washington in Seattle. My name is Elizabeth Battinelli. I am at the Brigham and Women's Hospital and Harvard Medical School in Boston. I'm Dr. Owen McCarty. I'm in the Department of Biomedical Engineering at the Oregon Health and Science University in Portland, Oregon. I'm Craig Williams with the Oregon State University College of Pharmacy and the OHSU Medical Center in Portland, Oregon. I'd like to thank all the authors of the review series, Dr. Beth Bettinelli and her co-authors, Dr. Lawrence Goldfinger and his co-author, Drs. Owen McCarty and Craig Williams, and Dr. Tomas Werdiger and his co-authors. The theme for this review series has to do with the interactions between platelets and cancer cells. And it's a subject that's been uh, studied for many, many years, but recently there's been breakthroughs in the topic. I just want to summarize that we have a blood review series on platelets and cancer, and that encompasses several topics. One is on how tumor cells can affect the phenotype and the biology of the platelets and how, in turn, the platelets affect the tumor cells. In fact, there are two papers that deal with this topic, but from very different aspects, and so they're very complementary papers. Another paper uh, looks at how platelets bleb these uh, small vesicles that carry biological information and how the vesicles, called microvesicles, interact with tumor cells and deliver information to the tumor cells and change the properties of the tumor cells and the biology and progression of the tumors. Finally, there's a fourth paper that looks at how both the evidence and the future prospects for uh, how antiplatelet therapy may affect tumor cell, the genesis of cancers and also their progression and their treatment. I don't consider myself an expert in this, but I do feel like I'm an expert in platelets and I've studied them for many years and I've become very fascinated with all the things that platelets do that people do not fully appreciate. People think of platelets as being basically a cell that stops bleeding, but it's much more complicated than that. I think that in doing this series, the purpose of it is to uh, allow people to kind of get a synthesis of what's going on in this very complex field. And I think that the series has accomplished that. I think the different articles have been very, very well done. They bring a diversity of subjects. They're looking at things from different points of view. In particular, Dr. Batnelli and Dr. Uh, McCarty and Dr. Williams McCarty and Williams are looking at uh, how treatment, in particular antiplatelet treatment, may affect uh, either the onset or progression of cancer. And Dr. Batnelli is really looking at how cancer cells, primarily how cancer cells are affecting platelets and how they change the platelets such that uh, those platelets uh, do things that they normally wouldn't do in the absence of cancer and also that perhaps allow for diagnosis or diagnostic help with cancer because of the changes induced by particular cancers. I picked these people because they have been published in, in the area 
and also because they are good reviewers of papers in the area. I received an email from Dr. Lopez asking me um, if I would be part of it and telling me the topics that would be covered and asking me if I was comfortable contributing to my assigned topic. And I'll say that it was quite an honor to be asked. It's certainly an honor to be invited to contribute to this review series. My first paper in graduate school was uh, 20 years ago, published in Blood, on how platelets and tumor cells uh, would interact, uh, identifying some key components expressed by platelets that may contribute to how tumor cells act as a friend or a fro with platelets uh, during their circulation. And so I've been astutely following this field, uh, contributing to this field, reviewing for this field, and following a lot of the leadership of Dr. Lopez. Uh, so it certainly was an honor for him to invite me to build a team with Craig to survey the literature, look at what's been done, and, and perhaps look a little bit toward the horizon of, of what uh, different treatment options are, uh, understanding mechanisms, and some of the aspects of detection and early detection even that platelets can contribute to the care and management of cancer. The goal of the review series was really to help educate hematologists that aren't primarily working in hemostasis and thrombosis in what the platelets are doing with cancer cells. Hematology is a very broad field, so it's hard to keep up on everything that's going on. In addition, uh, many hematologists are also oncologists, so they deal a lot with cancer. So I felt that this is a way to actually bridge some of the different subspecialties within hematology and kind of relatively, actually not relatively, a completely painless way to catch up on what's becoming a very broad and expanding literature. I feel very confident that the series has done that. For example, if somebody is working on um, multiple myeloma and they read this series, I think it'll uh, provoke a lot of thought for them in their own field of how maybe different ways to think about this. So I think bringing kind of different perspectives both to the cancer field and to the hemostasis field as to what the, these incredible little cells are doing, I think was the goal of this and it's been accomplished. I would say that this is of broad interest to the blood readership because it uh, really offers a novel ways of thinking about diagnosis and therapies for patients with malignancy. So for a long time, I think platelets have been underappreciated, and I feel like they've really come into their own, especially into the field of platelets and malignancy and this interaction. But I think we're also now starting to appreciate the role of platelets in other diseases too. And so we have a lot to learn from this interaction between platelets and tumor cells. Platelets have long been known for their role in hemostasis and thrombosis. But now we recognize that it is a bona fide mediator of malignancy and that every step of the metastatic process relies on platelets. So I think that the readership, whether they are uh, scientists working at the bench trying to understand mechanisms between platelets and tumor cells and other tumor uh, cancer processes, or clinicians taking care of patients, they can gain a lot from reading a review like this and understanding the relationship between platelets and tumor cells. Our specific review focuses on the unique relationship between platelets and tumor cells in relation to distinct RNA and protein profiles that are in the platelets in respect to uh, education by tumor cells. So what happens is the platelets kind of accumulate data 
from the tumor cells, and this is termed tumor-educated platelets. And there's at least three ways that platelets can do this, and this is through direct uptake and storage from the tumor-derived factors, or signal-dependent changes in platelet RNA processing, or lastly, differential platelet production from megakaryocytes that have been programmed by the tumor cells. So there's many ways in which tumor cells and platelets can talk to each other and tumor cells instruct what's in the platelet and what the platelet is doing. And I think that for these reasons, this review series is of interest to the general readership because it explores these novel interactions between platelets and tumor cells. And this has very important clinical implications for disease progression as also for a potential therapeutic intervention. This review series and collection of articles will be of broad interest to the readership of, of blood. In particular, there are a variety of treatments for patients that the clinician will have a concern that it's going to affect platelets as a byproduct. And this may affect platelet activation as the BTK inhibitors, such as a brutinib, affect the activation state of platelets. Uh, importantly, it might affect platelet count. And so by just overall uh, affecting the health of the patient by lowering platelet count. And these have always been thought of as a safety concern because you're going to put your cancer patient at a risk of bleeding. And the concept that you're also affecting the course of disease by affecting both the platelet state as well as the platelet count. I think that's the concept that, that many of these articles in the review series will help get across to the broad readership of blood, that the very treatments that are affecting uh, and targeting cancer are targeting similar pathways in the production of platelets and the activation state of platelets. And that as a consequence, you're affecting the very series of steps that are leading to the cancer metastasis and malignancy. And so that the, the hand-in-hand relationship between platelets and cancer is to be appreciated when targeting either the platelet state or platelet count. And I'll just add, this is Craig Williams, uh, I'll just add that I think antiplatelet therapies and the pharmacotherapy of, of treating platelets has been fascinating clinical trialists for, for many decades. And when we talk about aspirin, it's really a drug that's been making headlines now for over a century. And our interest in aspirin kind of waxes and wanes a bit with the latest trials that come out. But it's really been the last two decades that we've become interested in aspirin as a potential anti-cancer drug. And I think what it may open up as we dig into trials a little bit more is some insight into what exactly aspirin is doing and it may point the way to some druggable targets. Whereas maybe years from now, we won't necessarily be using aspirin, but we'll be using things we learn from aspirin in the management of certain cancers. But my interest in this field really is with the pharmacotherapy of how we've been treating platelets now for quite a while. And the whole concept of primary prevention and secondary prevention and where aspirin really is effective. And newer antiplatelets have played into that very well. And the cancer data is actually playing into that very well. It's bringing up some of the same questions of primary prevention and secondary prevention, and really what the mechanisms are that are leading to what we're seeing in the clinical trials. But it's been an area I've been following now for the better part of two decades, and I've never been disappointed by being essentially a, a clinical trialist in the antiplatelet field. I was just thinking as everyone was speaking that, you know, another 
interesting fact that would make this interest to the, the broad audience is when I think about a general oncologist who's faced with a patient, one of the things that, that has a new malignancy, one of the things they may notice is actually this uh, thrombocytosis or an elevated platelet recount that we think is part of a, a reactive process to the cancer. And I think that the idea that there's a relationship between this elevated platelet count and the prognosis of the patient is actually something that may interest others who are just general oncologists as well as those who are hematologists and understanding what that means, not also for the malignancy, but what drives that. So, you know, a general oncologist seeing a patient may actually be struck by the high platelet count. And so this may give them a, a link to why that's happening. So just wanted to add that. We know that platelets are key players in many physiological processes beyond just hemostasis. Their platelets are important for wound healing, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, inflammation, liver disease, and infection. And that, I think, has become incredibly clear as we have uh, had to take on COVID-19 and we've found that there are many platelet roles in the prothrombotic manifestations of COVID-19. So understanding how platelets play roles in disease beyond hemostasis and thrombosis, I think has many clinical applications for hematology. Also, as we've all been talking about, as Dr. McCarty and Dr. Williams is the focus of their review, you know, using antiplatelet therapies to augment cancer therapy, that's a very novel idea. And so that is also something that I think would be of clinical relevance to the hematology community. Obviously, cancer is a problem that affects many, many people. And thinking of new ways to understand this collection of diseases is uh, very, very important. And the other thing that attracted me in putting this together is the very, very interesting basic science that's involved in the interactions between platelets and uh, tumor cells, such as, for example, the transfer through a small vesicles of information between one cell and another cell, and uh, the ability of one cell to alter the function of another cell by transfer of information through the blood and also by direct contact. So that's of interest to clinicians in ways to understand that. It has some practical use. In addition, it's of great interest to people who are more interested in basic mechanisms. So I believe that the series will have very broad appeal to people who are working in basic platelet biology, biochemistry, etc., and also to clinicians who are seeing patients who have cancer and who want to understand how the cancer itself can affect the platelets because this has been something that clinicians have always had to deal with, with the fact that a lot of the therapies that they use have sometimes adverse effects on platelets. And I'm actually going to tell you about my, my passion in this. There are interesting translational aspects around platelet biology that are used for is biomarkers. The platelets are little tattletales of what's happening in the circulation. They are taking up RNA, taking up DNA. They've communicated with platelets. They are understanding the, the status of, of inflammation. And as a liquid biopsy, a lot of the field has focused on trying to capture a circulating tumor cell, which is certainly a very rare event and may not be as relevant to the actual biology of, of the tumor. This might be the escapee, the circulating tumor cell, whereas the platelets are sentinels. And they're monitoring both the physiology in terms of hemostasis as well as pathology associated with uh, disease, inflammation, overall state. And 
they're a excellent readout of a chemotherapies that are coming in. How is it affecting the host? And so as we understand the mechanisms of how platelets contribute to maintenance of physiology, maintenance of hemostasis, as well as the process of angiogenesis, the spreading, the, the state of inflammation and response to anti either direct antiplatelet uh, therapies or indirectly by agents that target kinases, that platelets overall give a unique aspect is an easy blood draw in terms of a biomarker to assess uh, the health of the host. And so I think that as the basic science uh, continues and we understand the significance of the crosstalk between platelets and tumor cells uh, in the setting of oncology, this will be a, a useful uh, diagnostic uh, tool. Uh, for instance, uh, we've done studies just looking simply at, at platelet count, platelet lympholyte site ratio, uh, platelet activation state versus count. And a lot of these have key relevance and, and even predictive value to the state and the occurrence of cancer and response to therapy. I'll just finish there. Yeah, I'll just add to that, that I think all readers of blood and, and all members of AST are certainly very interested in how clinical trials and basic science interact, how, how what we learn in trials goes back to kind of inform research in the lab to try to figure out mechanisms and how mechanisms that are discovered initially in the lab translate into design and eventually outcomes of clinical trials. And this is an area where in particular, we have by far the most robust data when we're talking about antiplatelet therapies. Our most robust data is with aspirin. And it's an area where to an extent, the clinical trials sometimes get a little bit ahead of some of the basic science research and understanding. And that was the case really with prevention of cardiovascular disease going back several decades. It, it wasn't really until we extended some of the acute treatment trials for cardiovascular disease that we discovered that aspirin kind of works to prevent future cardiovascular events. That wasn't really thought about as a mechanism back in the late 1970s and 1980s. And it was really through some of those trials that we kind of went back and revisited some of our understandings about cardiovascular disease. And we're seeing some of that now in the clinical trials we've seen recently with aspirin and cancer, where some of what we thought might happen didn't play out the way we thought it would. And that's coming back now to inform, I think, some of the basic science questions that we're going back and some of the work that's being done by, by Dr. McCarty and his group and, and many others around the country are, are really around what are the mechanisms that explain how the platelet affects cancer and therefore how antiplatelet therapies affect cancer. And we're going to need those answers to really inform the next generation of clinical trials. So, so I think the way the trials have panned out in the last couple of decades is also a pivotal part of this review. If I can say something along those lines, I was struck by all of the review articles really did a fantastic job of pairing the basic mechanistic understanding uh, or current understanding with clinical implications. In particular, I think that Dr. Williams and McCarty's review uh, illustrates this very well in that there's a lot of discussion about basic mechanism, but also about all the clinical trials and what they found and how that may relate back to the mechanistic understanding of the involvement of platelets in, uh, in cancer biology. I think that the next steps really are going to impact two areas. One is uh, in diagnosis, uh, and that's very well discussed in Dr. Battinelli's review article as to how actually you can learn a lot about what's going on in a human body in terms of cancer by looking at platelets. Dr. McCarty mentioned a bit about this as well. 
That's one. The other one, of course, is in therapy. To devise therapies that can aid in the treatment of cancers uh, by targeting platelets. And to devise those therapies in such a way that they minimize the negative impact of inhibiting platelet function. That's uh, very nicely discussed in Dr. McCarty and Williams's review. There's always something new to study. And when you talk about emerging concepts and next steps, there's so much more for us to do. I think we need to build on what we know as we continue to learn more about platelets and tumor cells interacting. But I think we need to build a little bit more on understanding platelets, tumor cells, and what other cells platelets call in to the tumor cell milieu. I'm specifically thinking about what the interactions are with platelets and the immune system and how we can, we know that platelets will um, send off signals that will actually call in neutrophils and other types of immune cells into the tumor microenvironment. Thinking ahead into the future, I think we need to understand more about that and then understand how immune-based therapies can be used to augment this platelet tumor cell interaction. And then the second thing I think is a more traditional view, and this is more on the antiplatelet therapies, and uh, we know that antiplatelet therapies may have a benefit in treating malignancy, but not not all studies have showed that, as Dr. Williams has alluded to. And I think we need to take a step back and think a little bit more about antiplatelet therapies the way cardiologists do. We need to think about, are there different subpopulations of platelets that are responding to antiplatelet therapies? And um, think about diabetes, where you have hyperactive platelets. In malignancy, we know that platelets can be more highly activated. Are there a subset of platelets that are not as responsive or refractory to antiplatelet therapies or other uh, platelet therapies? And, and that's another thing that we need to think about when we're approaching our traditional view of antiplatelet therapies. And then the third thing I think would be to take our scientific discoveries and to understand a little bit more about platelet tumor cell interactions with a novel idea of looking at new receptors or thinking about inhibiting platelet function. Inhibiting platelet tumor cell interaction without inhibiting platelet function. So we separate the hemostatic function of platelets versus the pro-malignant function of platelets and finding ways to target those receptors that are particular to platelet tumor cell interaction with the hope of being able to then uh, maintain hemostatic function so that when we're faced with cancer patients who have a preponderance to bleed, we're also um, not impacting their overall risk of hemorrhage. So I think those are some of the interesting things that are next steps that we really need to understand as we move forward. I'll echo what Dr. Battinelli mentioned about some of the, the cautionary tales around antiplatelet treatments. I think she was uh, right on with her comments there. Even when being commissioned for this article, the original title was Aspirin and Other Antiplatelet Treatments. And so that always assumes right there in the title that aspirin is an antiplatelet treatment. Whereas aspirin inhibits a certain pathway that certainly plays a role in platelets, as well as plays a role directly in, in tumor cells. It also plays a big role in the endothelium. And so the toxicity associated with, uh, with aspirin is due to the effects in the endothelium. 
just there, aspirin, the use of aspirin as a pan inhibitor has an antiplatelet effect, but it also has a systemic effect. And so appreciating how, when, when these trials were run and the outcomes, how to take that into account, how to then design more selective approaches targeting platelets and or endothelium, uh, maybe one step further. Again, then looking at the effects of just as aspirin has platelet and other effects, so do chemotherapies that are targeting, for instance, kinases and B cells also target at the same pathways that are in platelets. So they are BTK inhibitors, but that is agnostic to what cell the BTK happens to be in. And platelets certainly uh, recapitulate much of the signaling cascade that B cells and T cells. That's why by targeting the same pathway that you're targeting malignancy, you are having an antiplatelet effect. And so we hope that our review series uh, brings to light that aspirin has aspects outside of platelets, as well as uh, targeting chemotherapies have aspects uh, outside of, of their target of interest. In terms of next steps, I think one of the interesting aspects is using the platelet as, in terms of a, a hide-and-go-seek that the platelet is looking for holes, is looking for sites of inflammation, is looking to drive some angiogenesis. And so the community has, has augmented and, and taken advantage of this by using platelets as an imaging agent to go find where these sites of growth, and by instance, where your primary secondary metastasis, this is certainly shown in animal models and now being translated or dreamed of being translated in for clinical utility in terms of imaging. And then on top of that, if the platelet will tell you where the tumor is, there have been groups that then, uh, then use this to deliver some cargo. So could platelets, by actually knowing where the primary secondary metastasis are occurring based upon their mechanistic aspects, of binding to uh, facilitating uh, growth or facilitating metastasis be a tool for both imaging as well as delivering uh, cargo to protect against systemic delivery and have a targeted approach. And those are really aspects that have some excitement and interest in the field going forward. Thanks, Dr. McCarty. I do think that there is so much more to learn. And I think that one thing that we're kind of a little bit overlooking in our discussion that's actually mentioned and that we talk about in our review is the platelets are, are born from megakaryocytes. And so we've all been focusing a lot on platelets, um, which is the direct interactor with the tumor cells. But we also know that what's inside those platelets comes from what it endocytosis as it travels through this. It's like a long haul truck. It's it's traveling through and it's picking up its load and it's bringing it, you know, traveling along. And so it endocytosis and acts as a sponge and picks up things, but it also gets protein and signals and chemokines from its mother cell, the megakaryocyte. And so in our review, we talk a little bit about this, but we need to also understand that to understand the platelet, we need to understand a little bit more about megakaryocyte biology. And also now, you know, recently we've learned that there's different places that megakaryocytes may be actually producing platelets. There's megakaryocytes that are in the lung. There's megakaryocytes, of course, in our bone marrow. And understanding how these different locations of platelet production may influence what is in the platelet and what the megakaryocyte gives to the platelet. So I think we need to think a little bit further back as we start to understand more about platelets and their role in malignancy. There certainly is so much more to learn. 
There has been a renewed interest in looking at the lifespan of platelets, the fact that not all platelets are created uh, equal, that they react differently, the heterogeneity of platelets. And due to that, uh, how platelets respond and, uh, and activate and how disease states change that profile, the heterogeneity of platelets is an effector, for instance, uh, inflammation, and therefore is it affected by uh, the, the onset of, of metastasis and, and malignancy. And understanding how to dampen some of those aspects of, of heterogeneity reflects back to what uh, Dr. Bratinelli was mentioning, that much of that heterogeneity does have some origin right there in the bone marrow in terms of megakaryal poiesis. And so uh, understanding both on a biomarker aspect, because the platelets will tell you some information about what's happening in the bone marrow and the health, as well as targeting some of those pathways in megakaryocytes themselves. For instance, if you were going to target platelet count, you may look at targeting some of the uh, signaling cascades in the megakaryocytes themselves. Uh, platelets in normal circulation are uh, circulated about 200,000 per microliter. Uh, the safety window of platelets is above 20,000 per microliter. So even having aspects of lowering platelet count, as long as you understand the roles, the heterogeneity, uh, the health of platelets may be one of the, the aspects uh, going forward. And then if I could just add a thought on this question, I'm just going to kind of pile on and double down on this idea that Dr. Batnelli and, and Dr. McCarty have expressed that in the past, I think we've been too broad about in our thinking about platelets and by extension antiplatelet therapy. And we're getting now into a new generation of research that's drilling down more specifically to those specific mechanisms and signals of those mechanisms and then what therapies might do to the platelets. And, and the, again, the analogy of cardiovascular disease in the trials holds up well. And I think for, for all the clinicians and clinical scientists who come to this review, the clinical trials have, have really kind of walked us through the process to kind of moving us away from the broad approach into needing to be much more specific and by extension think a lot more hard about who we're recruiting to trials and who we're studying in the future. So just like several decades ago, it was really extensions of acute treatment trials that kind of taught us that aspirin and other antiplatelets can prevent future cardiovascular events. It's really going back to some of our our prospective long-term trials and retrospectively finding that there seemed to be a reduction in cancer over about the course of a decade in some of these long-term really cardiovascular trials. And I think we took that data a decade and a half or two decades ago and thought, well, aspirin has anti-cancer benefits. Let's study it in certain broad populations. But we were too broad and we probably weren't precise enough in thinking about who really should be in those trials and what is this drug doing? And, and the problem was we didn't really understand and we still don't really understand what the drug is doing. And so it's really the mechanisms that now need to come before the kind of clinical trialists. Those need to help us kind of design what the next trial should be. It's, it's not enough to just say, there appears to be a broad anti-cancer benefit from antiplatelet therapies. Let's use it in a certain broad population of let's say everyone over 65 or everyone over 70. We need to be more targeted and more specific in our future approaches.
And Dr. Williams, this is Beth Batnelli again. I, I think that one, I think you've hit that right on the head. And I think that one way that we can actually learn a little bit more about this mechanism is look at drugs that platelet function is the bystander. So inhibition of platelet function or activation is a bystander. So I'm thinking about uh, drugs like tamoxifen and estrogen receptors that are impacted in, in platelets as well as SSRIs and other drugs that we know from the clinic, you can see changes in platelet activity and platelet function in terms of aggregation response. And then using what we've learned from those types of treatments that are not particularly anti-platelet therapies to understand the platelet tumor cell interaction and develop new therapies or novel therapies based on those interactions. So I think you're right. There's understanding that mechanism and then maybe even looking at drugs to lead us on that mechanism may be our next wave here. Yeah, no, I think that's spot on. And I'll just add to that, that it's clearly something about what aspirin is doing with the platelet that is doing this. It's not just the aspirin by itself, and it's not just the antithrombotic effect of the aspirin. So anticoagulant drugs don't do this. This is not just an antithrombotic effect of, of aspirin or other antiplatelet drugs. So yeah, I think that's a spot on target. There may be some other kind of large trials going on that might help inform where aspirin antiplatelet drugs interact with other therapies that do have kind of other, almost kind of side effects on the platelet um, rather than direct intended effects, as, as Dr. Batnelli indicates. I think that the discussion till now has illustrated why hematology is special. I've always thought of it this way. The blood perfuses every tissue in the body except for your cornea. And if it perfused your cornea, you wouldn't be able to see very well. And so the blood is involved in any function of the entire body and is also involved in the mechanisms of disease in a variety of levels. And this review and this group of papers illustrates that very, very well. And somebody's already mentioned that uh, platelets, for example, are uh, involved in a wide variety of diseases. In addition to cancer, of course, cardiovascular disease, you wouldn't have strokes and heart attacks without platelets. Sepsis, recent example of a new disease, COVID-19, things like malaria, sickle cell disease, and all types of infectious diseases. So I think that's what makes uh, hematology particularly interesting. And I'll say that uh, as a person trained in clinical hematology, I was also trained in internal medicine. And so hematology is satisfies kind of that internal medicine part of me that uh, I can look at without stretching too far uh, out of my field. I can look at cardiovascular disease. I can look at infectious disease. I can look at cancer if that's what I feel like doing without actually leaving the field of hematology. I'm just looking at it from the perspective of a hematologist that understands blood. That's true in so many things. I just had a conference with a group who's trying to figure out ways to make portable uh, hemodialysis machines. And the problem with those hemodialysis machines is that they become clotted. Of course, that's a problem for somebody who understands uh, hemostasis and thrombosis and platelets and uh, blood proteins. So I think that's what, that's what makes hematology special to me. I'd like to thank all the authors of the review series, uh, Dr. Beth Bettinelli and her co-authors, Dr. Uh, Lawrence Goldfinger and his co-author, uh, Drs. Owen McCarty and uh, Craig Williams, and Dr. Tomas Werdiger and his co-authors. 
I trust that this review series will be of interest to a broad readership and that it will lead to further interest in this fascinating field. Thank you. And thanks to everybody for, first of all, writing those excellent reviews and for participating in this. I think this is a really a, a nice little review series. Thank you for listening to the review series on platelets and cancer. To read the articles, visit www.bloodjournal.org. This presentation is copyrighted by the American Society of Hematology.